Hello. Hi, Blair. This is Rebecca with Ashray Journal. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Rebecca? I'm doing well. Thank you for joining me on Hot Air. can spend a few minutes with me today talking about your technology work project. Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm excited to talk about this project. So you received an honorable mention for a project you did at Argonne National Laboratory. It's being featured in this month's ASHRAE Journal. Will you explain to our audience the type of research performed at the lab? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the name of the building is MDL, and that's short for Materials Design Laboratory. And what the researchers are doing is they're studying materials of, of all kinds, both large and, and small scale, scales as small as a, a single electron. So what they're doing is they are studying the materials and the formations of these materials and their properties. They put those new materials through all sorts of tests to learn all the properties about them and how they can be applied to you know, the present day challenges that we face, you know, whether it be emerging energy production or, or anything of the like. So it's a really, really exciting building and I was excited to be a part of that science and that opportunity. So one of the things that I found interesting, I've been at Ashray Journal for more than 22 years and I've been editing full time the, all the articles for more than three, but I can't ever really remember hearing about helium recovery. So, what, so that was one of the things that got my attention. Can you tell me a little bit about that system? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So helium is, is used pretty extensively in, in chemistry research. I mean, particularly in this building, they had a lot of usage for it because they have some cryogens and, and things that require helium in their, in their process. And helium as a global resource is becoming scarce. The reserves in the U.S. are, are dwindling, and, and so we're relying on some foreign supply chains and, and things like that. It's causing the prices to go up, and, and in general, just the resource worldwide is going down. So you know, helium, like a lot of our resources in the world, we're, we're trying to conserve the consumption of those and be smart with how we consume those materials. And so the lab was very interested in, you know, following or mimicking that approach in terms of conservation. And so what we implemented was a, a helium recovery system. And what that involves is we had a network of piping that ultimately terminated at the point of use where they consume their helium through their, you know, the research process. And what that does is it allowed us to connect into their process and we could essentially capture that low pressure helium. And, you know, through our piping network, it would make its way back into the basement of the MDL and get collected in what's called a gas bag, which <laughs> has a funny name, but it's exactly what it, is. it sounds. It's a it's an inflatable bag that sits on a skid and, and it can accommodate large volumes of gaseous helium. So as that gets collected and reaches a certain pressure, once it reaches a certain pressure, we we have a blower next to the gas bag that we can then use to send that helium from the gas bag to a neighboring building. In that neighboring building, they've already installed or were in the process of installing as we were designing our MDL project, a helium purification process. And so we connected into that process, which allows them to process the helium spent an MDL along with a couple other buildings within their energy quad and repurify it and bottle it and then, you know, reuse it at their locations, you know, on campus. So it was a fun project to, or piece of the project to be involved with. 
so without laboring the, the point with this part of the project, I mean, it is it is kind of a funny name, but the gas bag is basically a balloon, which makes sense because it's helium. Essentially. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, I was chuckled when I, we were talking about where to put the gas bag. But yeah, in the fact that you've described it very well, it's exactly kind of how it operated. That's really fun. Well, Hot Air's logo is a balloon. I just made that connection. <laughs> I was not going for that when I asked you about this project, I promise you. Sure. So switching gears. So this isn't something that was covered in the article. But uh, when you and I were chatting, you mentioned that, as is always the case, that keeping laboratories up and running is very, very important. So how did you ensure that the building runs during an emergency? No, great question. So there were a lot of different scenarios that we factored into that emergency operation. We thought of the emergency as a true emergency, like a, a fire event, or an emergency as something failed within the you'll call it the MEP infrastructure, or could even be considered something that was a routine maintenance item. You know, they need to change filters or in a air handler. So any of those things we we factored into the process of how the lab would function because shutting off the lab for you know anything short of a fire was not something that, that Argon was willing to tolerate. So how we managed that through the design was, you know, we had redundancy in, in all of our hydronic equipment. So redundant pumps, redundant heat exchangers, you know, should anything fail, the, you know, the backup had full capacity to accommodate should the primary device fail or need maintenance. How we managed this on the air handler side was somewhat unique. We didn't have a fully redundant air handler. We had three total in the building to serve the air needs and all three were manifolded together. So they effectively acted as one unit because they all operated in unison. But if one of the three were to fail, you know, whether a, whether it be a coil burst or even if it was needed to be shut down for, for maintenance because, you know, Argon has, has very strict safety protocols. So any activity in and around the air handler requires that unit to be shut down for safety reasons. So even if they have to change filters, even side loading, they have to you know, disable that unit. So with our three air handler arrangement, if one were to be off for any reason, the other two could ramp their fans up to meet 100% of the capacity. Now, I mentioned that we didn't have a fully redundant unit. And I say that because when we're operating with two units, those two, they would ramp up to a speed where we had velocities through coils and filters that might have been a little bit higher than we would design under normal operation. But understanding that this emergency mode was temporary. You know, we were okay with faster velocities through coils than we would have otherwise, knowing that it's not a standard operation. So all that got factored into really a you know a robust building that can operate and and kind of withstand you know a lot of things to happen and still maintain building operations, still maintain the science to be undisrupted. If we look at the fire event, you know that's kind of the unique instance of emergency mode. So if a fire alarm is to go off. Argon has their own fire department. And so they are, they're involved. The fire department is involved in the design reviews and, and so forth. And, and it was critical to them that, you know, if they're sending their personnel to a building, any building on campus, right, that for a fire, they don't want the fume exhaust fans to completely turn off. And they want to maintain some negative pressure within all their fume hoods, right? They don't want to send in their firefighters to a building that might have something that could be harmful to them other than the their normal hazard, right? The fire and the smoke. So because our exhaust fans serving the fume hoods need to maintain some level of exhaust flow, we can't completely eliminate the air handlers. 
because if you have exhaust running and no supply, then the egress doors can't open and, you know, no one can evacuate the building. So what we did is we managed, you know, myself and the electrical engineer, we managed the power connections to our fan motors in our air handlers such that we could run the air handlers at a horsepower that was acceptable from the electrical design and their backup generator design and still maintain a safe building pressure condition that allowed people to egress in the event of a fire, but also allowed the fume hood exhaust system to operate at an acceptable level to the firefighter personnel. And so so that was a, a big component in, in how we structured the design of the of the infrastructure for MDL. Really, really important. I mean, just for me personally, I know it's your job to think of things like keeping the firefighters safe, things other than simply the fire, but that's not something that I thought of. That's really interesting. Well, thank you. I always really enjoy talking with people about these projects. I appreciate your joining me. Oh, yeah. No, I, I appreciate the time. And as I said before, I'm always excited to talk about this project. It was, it was a lot of fun and uh, it, it's a great project. Thanks so much. Thank you. I'm Rebecca Matasowski, Ashray Journal's technical editor. And you've been listening to Hot Air.